Back in uh, the late 1800s, there was a soldier named Lieutenant Rowan. Lieutenant Rowan was selected to go on a mission where he was going to deliver a message to uh, General Garcia, who was down in Cuba. Rowan was an American soldier. The Spanish-American War was about to start. War had not been declared, but everybody knew that it was coming. Everybody was on high alert in the nation of Cuba. Spanish soldiers were everywhere and were prepared to, um, prepared to kill anybody who seemed like they didn't belong. Um, Rowan was selected for this task because uh, they decided that if anybody could get the job done, it would be him, and he wouldn't stop unless, or in, unless he accomplished the mission or died trying. Uh, he was competent enough that they knew that he could get to Cuba without being seen, move across the island of Cuba, find General Garcia, deliver the message, get off the island of Cuba, and return to safe waters without being captured without the benefit of GPS, without the benefit of telegraphs, without the benefit of all the technology that we have today. Uh, Lieutenant Rowan took this message. He snuck across everybody. It's kind of a neat story. It's a, you can read about it. It's an, there's an essay about it. And he, he delivered this message to General Garcia, moved off the island, risking his life to do so. And uh, when he was back and he was reporting on what his findings were, uh, he was commended. And they were like, man, that amazing job. And what he responded is basically, I was just doing my job. I was just doing what I was told. Ernest Hemingway in one of his poems coined this phrase that applies and is often attributed to Lieutenant Rowan. It's mine's not to question why, but to do or die. And it's this kind of mentality that uh, Lieutenant Rowan carried this message to this general. He had a message that was so absolutely critical to the safety and security of the United States that he put his life at risk to deliver this message. If he had been captured, he would have been killed. The United States would have been uncovered and a war that was about to be declared would have been much, much worse because he was doing illegal things and representing the United States in doing so. We've talked about stewarding uh, our money how our money is not our own, but God gives to us and we're, we're to give back. We talked, about, uh, we've, we talked also about stewarding our gifts, about how our gifts are not for ourselves, our skills are not for ourselves, even our profession, it's not for us, but it's to point to God and to the benefit of those around us. Pastor Brett visited and spoke on living in faith and multiplying that which we have, whether it be whatever resources those are. So he spoke in the broadest sense, the things that you've been given, multiply them and give something to God when we're done and say, here you go, Father. I didn't just hide it. I didn't just, just, just tuck it away somewhere, but I leaned into this. I took risk. I took chance so that I could give, some, so that I could give more back to you. Than you, than you started me with. Last week, we talked from Malachi about giving to God what is God's so that we don't rob him. In Malachi, they were robbing God of the tithes and offerings, which ultimately was robbing God of the glory and the honor and the reverence, the respect, and the love that he deserves from his people. And today, we're going to talk about stewarding the message like with many passages of scripture that we're going to read, it'd be easy to look at this and think that this is really a passage about you and I. 
It's really a passage about Paul and his ministry counterparts, the other apostles. But I want to make sure that in this, we recognize that the, the biggest person in this um, is, is, only, is only named twice, but we tend to think of ourselves more often. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It says this. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. This is God's word to us. Father, more than anything else today, what we need is a touch by your Holy Spirit. That you would come and minister to our soul, that you would bring clarity to who you've called us to be and how we're to walk this out. God, I ask for those of us who are far from you that we'd be drawn near to you. And those of us who have been uh, rebelling against you, that today we would surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul's speaking to the church in Corinthians. Now, the church in, in Corinth was, uh, was rowdy. It was, it was a whole lot of new converts to this Christian faith. It wasn't well-established. They didn't have uh, an established order of service the way that we do. You know, we've got, you know, we're not a liturgical church, but we've got our own informal liturgy, right? You know how it's going to go. We're going to sing three songs. We might interrupt it and then go back into the third or fourth song. But it's not that big a surprise once you've been here for a couple times. Um, we sing the similar kind of songs. We sang a song that I didn't even know today. So, you know, that first time into a song, you're kind of like, oh, okay, I'll just, I'll get it next time, right? Um, <laughs> or maybe two times from now. So, so I, I know it can be kind of awkward, but we, we've got this routine. And if you come back, you'll, you'll begin to experience the routine. You'll recognize the songs and then you'll be able to worship and not just say the words that are on the screen necessarily. But they, they didn't have the established tradition at this point. They were trying to figure out how to do this. How do you act? when you've been told that you've been set free from everything that entangles you? How do you act when you hear that mercy and forgiveness and the grace of God are a free gift? That forgiveness is a free gift. How do you... Do you go chase down as much free gift as you can? <laughs> do, you, do you go and do things that require you to have more free gift? The answer to that is no. How do, you, how, do you, how do you respond to this? So Paul's trying to write to them and help them understand, hey guys, this is how you should interact with one another. This is how you should respond to one another. This is what a church service could look like. This is, these are some, some things that help you navigate and steward the grace of God that you have so that Christ can be glorified in and through you as a people together. And so, so he's speaking to them in, in verse, chapter four, verses one and two. He says that we are to be regarded as servants of Christ and stewards of mysteries. A servant is someone who attends to someone else, whose primary focus and emphasis is on pleasing, pleasing their boss, pleasing their, their, in this case, Lord, in this case, our Savior. But it's somebody whose attention is on the details of the other person's life so that that person has everything that they require. And he's saying that in, in our service of you, you need to know that we're really serving Christ. You and I need to know and understand that in our service of one another, we're really serving Christ. When we care for one another, 
we're attending to Christ. Now, we are not in any way, shape, or form replacing Jesus. Jesus died and rose from the dead, and he is still living. He, he is always and forever seated at the right hand of the Father. Well, I guess except for when he gets on that horse and comes at the end of the things. But he is, he is alive. He will not die. He will continue to exist as he always existed in the past. He will always exist in the future alive. That song by Puff, like the thing that, you know, Puff Daddy, that whole thing, can't stop, won't stop. That's, what, that's actually about Jesus and the resurrection. He's alive and he can't stop, won't stop being alive always and forever. I'm just, that's what he was talking about. May or may, may, may or may not be true. Don't fact check it. Everything else I said was true. I don't want to discredit myself. It might not have been about Jesus, but it would have been true about Jesus. We're not taking the place of Christ. We, we're being his ambassadors. We're not, we're not standing in his place. We're standing in our place representing him. The prayer is not, what would Jesus do? The prayer is, what would Jesus have me do? With the skills and the gifts and the anointing and the abilities that he's given me. We're not the originators of our theology or doctrine that comes from him. We're not here to accomplish the desires of our heart, but the desires of his hearts. Because we are his servants. And things start to get confused when we start doing it for our own benefit. And we'll start to argue about silly, silly things, even in the church areas. Right? If, if, I'm, if I'm doing this for myself, then I'm going to start to demand certain kinds of things. If I'm doing this in service of Christ, I'm going to do probably different kinds of things. I hope that's not mine. <laughs> this is where we get the idea of building a church that looks like heaven. And building a church that looks like heaven doesn't just mean that we're going to have people who are all different kinds of shades. But it also means that we're going to have people who are all sorts of different kinds of cultures. I've been doing some research on our community recently, and one of the things that... Um, one of the things that I'm starting to discover is this, this theme that getting people together from different backgrounds and colors and ethnicities isn't the harder part. Uh, it's the, the harder part is getting people to love one another once you've gathered and to stay together through the week. But there's another, there's another wrinkle, and that's that uh, the, the socioeconomic divide that people tend to gather with the people of the same socioeconomic status because the really successful people want to be seen with really successful people. We did, a, we did an exercise when I was at school um, in July, and uh, we, we put cards on our foreheads. We were all given cards, and we had to put cards on our forehead. We weren't allowed to know what our card was, but we had to treat each other like the card was on the forehead. And um, it was a whole bunch of pastors in the room so it started, everybody was really, really nice. 
You know, it's like, hey, brother, you know, the ace is talking to the two, and, you know, everybody sees the two, and everybody's talking to the two. It was funny. The two thought he was an ace the whole time because everybody was so nice to him. So we had good pastors in our class. (laughs) Or he was just resilient. She was probably resilient. But we had these cards, and we're walking around, and we're trying to find our place. And our place, we determined on our own based on how people were treating us. I had a jack. So I had a, good, I had a good high card, but I didn't want to presume that I had a high card, so I was really tentative about having a high card. And when people were being respectful of me, I was a little nervous about accepting. You guys, don't psychoanalyze me. This is about you. <laughs> Just, yeah, analyze me. Analyze yourself. I had a jack, and I was a, I, so I'm like interacting with people, and I'm trying to figure out where do I, where do I belong? Do I belong over here with this group? Because I, I, I want to know that I'm in the right place and that I'm welcome. And then I was like, do, or do I belong over here? And so, you know, I'm talking to everybody and trying to be, you're trying to be, because I don't know what I am. So I'm like, hey, twos, will you take me? You know, and some people were figuring out faster than others. I was just lost. <laughs> I'm like, where do I belong? And then I walked up to this, this, this group of people that had, that had huddled up and they were like, you belong here. And I was like, all right. And then, and then I noticed that they, that's the face cards and everything. And I was like, oh, I am a face card. I still didn't know where I fit. Like in terms of that, that would be established a little bit later. But I, I walked around so uncomfortable for those five minutes just trying to know what my place was. And all I could base it was uh, on was how people were treating me. And what a real life exercise that is. That the people in your life will know the value that they have based on the way that you treat them. And all of us, to one extent or another, are looking for the people in our lives to define us for us. And to help us. It's part of why we do small groups. That's also why we need to make sure that we're not just about, about Jesus and we're not just about reconciliation to Christ and to one another on Sunday mornings, but we're about that all week. So we're about that in the grocery store and we're about that at the restaurant. We're about that at the playground, talking and engaging with people who, who, don't like, who don't look like us. But how about just people that don't believe like us either? Oh, that person has a headscarf. They, they don't believe what I believe. I, I should not talk to them. Isn't what Jesus did. So I'm getting a, getting aside. But the, yeah. So let's, let's look at the stewards of mysteries. So we're to be stewards of mysteries. Now, this is what I've learned going through this stewardship series. Uh, I've learned that stewardship, I used to think of it as about holding, holding on to things. But stewardship is not just about holding on to things. It's holding on to the right things, but giving the right things away also. So it's just using things in their proper time at the proper place with the proper measure is stewardship. And so I, I always thought, okay, well, good stewardship of money is to, to, give, to give to God and then hold on and just hope I don't mess up. That's not stewardship. That's living a life of fear. Stewardship requires this stepping out and this engagement of faith to say, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to move here and I'm going to sow into this and I'm going to trust that, that, that this is your leading and that you're going to bless these efforts. 
and that you're going to do more with it than I could. Stewards care for the possessions of the master, and it requires quite a bit of wisdom to be able to do that, doesn't it? To know when, when to hold them, when to follow them, and when to walk away. To quote another great American poet, Kenny Rogers, I believe. Kenny Rogers? Was that Kenny Rogers? I pulled out Puff Daddy and Kenny Rogers in the same sermon. Because we're diverse people. Man. If I could... Never mind. That was really subtle and helpful. Thank you, Megan, for being like the Holy Spirit to me. (laughs) So what is a mystery? What is the mystery that we're supposed to steward? Now, when we hear mystery, we think of murder mysteries. We think about the thing that we don't know that we've got to uncover and figure out. Well, how can you be a steward of something you don't know? That's like asking me to be the steward of the nuclear secrets. I don't know them. Sure, I'll steward it. I don't even understand the first part of nuclear energy. Just what I learned from the Simpsons. (laughs) A mystery, biblically speaking, and especially in the mind of the Gentiles, is not something that was unknown. A mystery is something that's been revealed. It's something that that we now know, though we might not fully understand. We now know that it was there. Um, That we know about the Trinity is an example of a mystery. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all given divine and eternal attributes. Well, there can only be one God, so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit must be one God. And so we, we know that much about who he is and what he's done. And, and I'm way simplifying it, but we know that. And that's a mystery that we can hold on to because it's been revealed to us that the Father is eternal and, and, and God. The Son is eternal and God and the Holy Spirit is eternal and God. And so we're able to look at it and go, wow, that, well, if there's only one God, then God somehow is all of these things. It's a mystery that we get to hold on to, know, and enjoy. The mystery that they had was the realization, the revelation that Jesus Christ came to forgive sins, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that the weak are made, uh, that the weak are made strong, the poor are made rich, the meek will inherit the earth, right? These are the secrets and the mysteries that they were being entrusted with and have been passed down generation after generation after generation now to us to steward. But the steward, like I just said, doesn't mean to keep it to ourselves and hold it to ourselves. It means that as stewards of the mysteries of God, we are to share them appropriately in proper measure at proper time with the proper people. So who are the proper people? Everybody. I don't, now, I don't know who we shouldn't be talking to about the glory of Jesus and the, the plan of God and, and the love of God for, for sinners that he came and died for us. I don't know anybody who's disqualified from that message. Yeah. There is a proper time and a proper measure, however. Uh, I've got a friend in China who, who leads a church and he can't just go out. I mean, we were in this strategy, this leadership strategy class and, you know, we're talking about all these things and he's like, hey, yeah, so I got a question. I can't use any of the tools that you guys are talking about. <laughs> any, suggest- any suggestions from the room? And we were all like, well, from the one Christian, will you please tell us what we should be doing? 
because they're planting churches and they're, 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 they're reaching cities and they're, and they're moving forward and they're making disciples without websites and without, without uh, Facebook, right? Like no Facebook, not even just a Facebook page. We complained because we couldn't get a Facebook page for a little while because it was confusing. And it was like, but I still have my own personal Facebook I could talk about things with, but right? And we get all stuck up on these little like silly side things. And they're going just person to person, engaging people as they have favor and opening up at proper times with proper measure. For my friend Jackie, he didn't know the word God. He was a, he was a college student. And he'd only heard of God in the, in the phrase, oh my God. But he didn't know what that was. It could have been, oh my cow. And it would have made no difference to him. He just you knew that it was a, an American statement, an English statement of like, woo. There's probably an, an American, an English word for that. Woo. Surprise, elation, something. Oh my God. And so he's like, but I, don't, I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. And the missionaries had to give him information in an appropriate measure so that they wouldn't get in trouble for preaching the gospel the way that they were. There's an appropriate measure at work. There's an appropriate and an inappropriate time at work, maybe, depending on what you do and where you do it. Right? But the, the restaurant, for most of us, is... Fair game, as our small groups and hangouts, as our Sunday mornings, as our Saturday nights. We've been given this incredible message and the important mission of delivering this message. It's not about, it's not on us to bring about the change that we desire to see in someone's life or to bring about repentance or conversion. It's our responsibility to simply communicate to people the truth of the gospel. That's a communication with our words and with our actions because when they're in opposition, it gets confusing for people. You know what I mean? And so with word and with action, we demonstrate this to people. Paul tells the church in Philippi, as he's closing his letter to them, as Paul and Timothy were writing to Philippi, he says, whatever you have learned and whatever you have received and have heard and have seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. And that would be my appeal to to you all, Grace Covenant. It would be that, that as you, if you've heard or seen anything, if you've learned anything, being a part of this church and a part of this community, that you would go and live this. That you wouldn't just wait until somebody else does it. You wouldn't wait until you reach some measure or status that's so high that you're, you, you're confident that you're never going to fail. But let's start putting into action as quickly as possible the things that we've learned about life and godliness. And you could chuck the bad stuff if I falter. Like, you don't like Kenny Rogers? Cool. You didn't like the Puff Daddy joke? My bad. Don't imitate that. But imitate the faith. 
Imitate the pursuit of God. Imitate, imitate what it is that you hear like week after week as we, as we collide with one another in the hallway and we, and we interact with one another in small group. Let that stir your faith and start to walk that out so that the world can know that this is true. We need to be steadfast to God. And this was a big deal. In a city like uh, Corinth, it was, it was a big industrial hub. It was a financial hub. It was a, it was a really important city. And so people were demanding charisma and huge, hugeness of gifting and kind of what can you do for me now? Not unlike our society where we are today. And he was saying, you must be found faithful. A steward must be found faithful. But faithful to Who? Or whom? Which one? Faithful to whom? (laughs) Faithful to God. Faithful to God because servants serve the master. And everything that we do here is in service to him. And if we're to be found faithful, it's going to be in serving you, serving him, (laughs) helping you by serving him. We need to be found faithful to God, not faithful to the people who are in front of us. What's, we, to be faithful to the people in front of us me, is going to change in three years. It's going to change next week. Our first duty is to God, un, unwavering, faithful, steadfastness to God, living with the realization that we have only a short amount of time in this life to bring glory and honor to him in our lives and in the lives of those we know. I open today by talking about the story of the message of Garcia. 2,000 years before that, Christ brought a message. It was a message that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that we are to repent, that we are to follow God, that we're to surrender to Jesus and trust him with our life. It's that our lives aren't our own, but we belong to him, the one who created us. And it came with it an invitation to be stewards of this message. As we choose to follow him, he he invited us in to share in this declaration of his message. The message that he carried, his his goal wasn't to get out scot-free. His goal was to bring his message, declare his message, die a miserable, excruciating death on the cross. So that nobody could doubt whether or not he ever lived. A while from now, you could question whether or not Lieutenant Rowan actually accomplished that mission or whether or not he did it. There are some facts around it. We don't know if he was in Cuba. He could have done it in Grenada. Like, he could have done it anywhere. But we know that Jesus absolutely delivered his message because he was killed for his message. We also know that he rose from the dead Because the message that he brought was true. And because he was without sin, he was unable to stay dead. He invites us in in Matthew 28 when he said, Go now therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and I will be with you even to the end of the ages. That's God's promise to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would help us today. That you would awaken us to the reality of the life that you've called us to.
that our life is not our own, but it's to be a life in service to you as your servants, God. I ask that you would speak to us and tell us what we can do, who we can talk to, how we can give to serve you well. And God, that we would be stewards of the message of grace that you've given us. We'd be stewards of the the mysteries. God, I'm thankful this morning that you desire to share secrets with those who you love. And I said we would draw close, we'd be drawn close to you so that we could hear your heartbeat, so that we can feel what you feel and communicate that to the world. And God, that we would, while we perform for many, we would be pleasing to you. Not because we're so great, but because of what you've done for us. I feel like the Father right now is reaching out with forgiveness. He's reaching out with his grace right now in this moment to let you know that he's near. He's here to encourage. He's here to inspire. He's here to redeem. there's anybody here this morning who wants to enter a relationship with Jesus or return to Jesus after being away, can you raise your hand so I can pray with you? See that hand. See that hand. Father, today we surrender. We recognize that in your goodness, you reached out to us. That you have initiated this by pouring out your love for us. God, today, I thank you for bringing me to this place of surrender. I choose to follow you. I receive your forgiveness. I accept your love. And I ask that you would teach me and guide me in what it looks like to follow you and to live for you instead of myself. In Jesus' name.